The first reading is Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, beginning to read at verse 7, and that's on page 1175. Ephesians 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning to read at the first verse. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of the one and same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's just while we're moving around. Uh, Can I encourage you to turn back to the Ephesians passage? 
Um, so that's page 1175. We'll start there and then we're going to go over to the other passage a little bit later. Um, let me begin by praying for us. Father, we praise you and thank you for your spirit uh, that he is in all who trust in Jesus. And Father, as we think about the gifts of the Spirit, please would you help us, teach us, and help us to be ready to put into practice what we learn. Amen. So we're thinking today about the gifts of the Spirit. we, uh, we are in a little sermon series on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. We thought a couple of weeks ago about the Spirit and new birth. That is, that the Holy Spirit is at work whenever anyone becomes a Christian. And it was encouraging to, th- to think about that on the day when we had uh, baptisms and affirmations of baptismal vows. That uh, you can see there live examples of the Spirit's work of bringing people to faith. And last week we thought about the fruit of the Spirit. That is that the Spirit does not just bring someone to faith, but the Spirit then works in us to uh, bring about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He goes on working in us to make us more Christ-like. And this week, we think about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I realise in preparing this, I've given myself one week uh, to cover a vast amount of important biblical material. Uh, There's much intrigue about the issue of the gifts of the Spirit, or there has been, uh, and there's much controversy, isn't there? Um, if, If you've been a Christian for a while, you know that there's much controversy in some of these areas. Uh, And on hearing about that we were going to think about the gifts of the Spirit, I wonder whether some had no idea what that was going to be about, and others might have thought, I wonder what's going to be said about the spectacular gifts mentioned in the Bible, tongues and healing and prophecy and those kind of things. Well, I had a decision to make in my preparation. I've got one sermon, I gave myself one sermon on this, and I thought, I've got to think what is going to be of greatest benefit to us as a church family And although those questions are important about those spectacular gifts, if that was the thing you came hoping to hear about, I'm afraid you're going to be a bit disappointed. Um, They are very important questions, and it may well be that we'd benefit from a sermon series where we go more into thinking about the gifts uh, of the Spirit and, and what each is. But I thought, actually, it is more important that we get some more fundamental principles about spiritual gifts. Uh, And actually, as I've studied and thought about this, uh, these fundamental principles are very exciting. If we just home in on one of the gifts and just think about that, that would be useful. But actually, if we think about the fundamental principles, these are going to be applicable to all of us, whatever our gifts are. And actually, these are so um, good for us that if, by God's Spirit, we put these things into practice, it would transform us as a church. I think it's very exciting. Not that God hasn't been doing these things amongst us, but I pray the Lord would do so to greater intensity and use each one of us uh, in these ways. Now, unusually for us, I'm not going to work my way through one passage of the Bible. I am rather going to give you five things. uh, I think they're on uh, your notice sheet, on the back of the notice sheet. Five things, five statements about the work of the uh, the gifts of the Spirit. Um, And I will show you where I get them from, but I'm not working my way through a passage this time. 
And the first one is uh, this. The growth and health of Emmanuel Church depends on every church member. I've not even used the word spiritual gifts in there, but you'll see how it's relevant in just a moment. The growth and health of Emmanuel Church depends on every church member. We see this in the Ephesians passage. Uh, If you just look a little bit on beyond the passage that Andrea read, just look at verse 16 of chapter 4. It says there, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Paul is saying the church is like a body. He does this elsewhere as well in 1 Corinthians. And he's saying, how does this body grow? How does the church get stronger? How does it grow as a body? By each part doing its work. Earlier on, Paul says, uh, in the bit that that was read, um, that as the church serves, so we will grow up together in unity in the faith. And he says... That a church where everyone is doing their bit, everyone is working together, will be one that won't be blown around, verse 14, tossed around back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. So if we are all using what God has given us, if we're all building one another up, if we as parts of the body are building one another up, we will be a more united church, we will be a safer church, we will be a growing church, we'll be a stronger church. But it relies on everyone using their gifts, everyone to be involved. Now this is very important for us to grasp, because I think our tendency is to assume that the growth and health of a church depends on, well, I wonder what, how you would have finished that before I gave you this point. Maybe you would think it's about the minister, what the minister does, what the minister says. Very important. Or maybe you might think it's, well, it's down to the minister and the wardens. Or maybe it's the PCC as well. Now, those are very important. But it is not the case that it is just down to those people, is it? It's every part doing its work that means that a church will grow. Everyone is needed. So we shouldn't just think about church attendance, should we? Maybe sometimes sometimes people have said to you, which church do you attend? Uh, And the answer, I hope, is, well, I don't just attend. That may be just has a bit of a feel of it, of a bit like, you know, if you go shopping with someone and they're, you know, buying something and you're just waiting around in the shop. Often there's a gathering of husbands outside the waiting room or something, or, you know, maybe that's old-fashioned, I don't know. But there can be a gathering of people outside the waiting room who are just, you might say, they're just attending, they're just waiting. And if you just think about church attendance, it maybe has that feel. You're just hanging around waiting for it to end. Well, that's not right, is it? Rather, better to say, well, I'm a member of a church and an active member of a church because we need everyone in order for the church to grow, be strong, be healthy, and to be united. So that's the first one. Second, every church member 
has gifts. Every church member has gifts. This is where we need to go back to the... Oh, we gone back to the first one. Uh, every church member has, has gifts. That's the second one. There we go. Go back to 1 Corinthians, would you, to 1 Corinthians 12. So that's page 1153, and we'll, we'll stay there. You don't need to keep a finger in Ephesians. So if, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12... Now, we need to know, uh, Paul, in writing to the church in Corinth, uh, was instructing them because they were in error. They'd got things wrong. And he's instructing them here in chapters 12 to 14 about how to use spiritual gifts. Because it seems the church in Corinth were fascinated with the more spectacular gifts. In particular, the gift of tongues. Which in Corinth, this was a a God-given ability to speak a heavenly language. It seems the speaker didn't understand it, and neither did the rest of the congregation. And they were fascinated by this one, because it's just spectacular. It it, it seems, uh, yeah, it seems supernatural. And they were obsessed with this one as being a marker of being spiritual. We'll come back to that. They were obsessed with the more spectacular gifts. And what Paul writes in chapters 12 to 14 is to correct them. And one of the things he emphasizes is that every Christian has been gifted by God in different ways. So verses 4 to 7, let me just read those verses for us again. So chapter 12, verses 4 to 7, page 1153, top of the page there. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone it is the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Notice that last bit there. To each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given. That is... Every Christian has been gifted by God. And as it says in verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts. There is huge variety as to the kind of gifts. And we see this in what Paul then goes on to say in verse 8 onwards. He says, some have a message of wisdom, some have a message of knowledge, uh, others have faith, others gifts of healing, and so on and so on. And part of the point of what Paul is saying is, there are lots of kinds of gifts, lots of variety in terms of what God gives. And we find, yes, there's a list of different gifts there in 1 Corinthians 12, but as you go to other passages in the New Testament, there are other lists of gifts, of spiritual gifts. And no two lists are identical. There's overlap between them, but they're not identical. Now, that is significant. Commentators pick up on that to say, look, it's not that Paul and other New Testament writers had a a set list of gifts. It's not like a drop-down menu. You know, sometimes you fill out a form online. You've got to fill in your nationality and you get a drop-down list and you can pick only one of those nationalities and you've got to spot your one and go, yeah, that's me. Paul doesn't have that kind of drop-down list of here are the set gifts. And you see that because each list of gifts is slightly different. Which would suggest to us, actually, there is no set list. Now, that's very important 
Because it might be that as you look through the lists of gifts in the New Testament, you might think, well, I can't see anything on there that I'm particularly good at. But that isn't the point. The point is, Paul is saying, everyone has been given a manifestation of the Spirit. Everyone has a gift. Don't think it's a drop-down menu. It's rather saying, what has God given you as your gift? And it's probably more than one gift. Everyone is multi-gifted. And the variety of gifts that you see is enormous, even in the lists that we do have. Some gifts are about teaching and preaching. Others uh, are more spectacular, like tongues or healing or miraculous powers. Others are more practical, like administration or helping others. Others are gifts more like leadership. There's just huge variety. They were obsessed with one kind of gift... And Paul's saying, no, don't be like that. There are lots of gifts, huge numbers, and everyone has been gifted. That means if you're a Christian, you have been gifted. God has given you gifts. Next point. Giftedness does not equal godliness. Okay, giftedness does not equal godliness. Here is, was the mistake that the Corinthians made. You see, the Corinthians were, like I say, obsessed with tongues because it was spectacular. And in their services, when they gathered together, it seems like uh, it, it was pretty chaotic. You had people speaking in tongues with others, no one knowing what they're, they're saying. You had people prophesying and, 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 and loads of people prophesying. And it seems like the whole thing was chaotic. It was out of control. And if you and I had been there, I wonder if, if someone says, is that a spiritual church? I think we probably would have said yes. They certainly thought of themselves as spiritual because of these things that were going on. But interestingly, in chapter 3, I'm not going to get you to turn back there. In chapter 3, Paul says of that church, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, or as spiritual people, but as people who are still worldly. Those markers that they thought of, that made them stand out as being spiritual, those spectacular things going on, They thought meant they were spiritual. Paul says you're not spiritual. In fact, we have to be very careful because we can be tempted to think if someone is gifted in, uh, maybe not spectacular gifts, but, but very gifted in a particular way, we are tempted to think, therefore, they must be Christians even. But don't forget, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount... This is very striking. He says that on judgment day there will be many, he says there will be many who will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now, we need to take this on board because it's very possible for us to miss this. Just because someone is very gifted at something 
uh, and can even do spectacular things in the name of Jesus. Jesus is saying, well, and Paul is saying, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're godly or spiritual. It might not even mean that they're Christians, according to Jesus. Now, that can be a shock for us because I, I, I think we've, we've fallen foul of this at times because we can assume that just because someone is a very gifted, in whatever way, maybe it's a gifted preacher, maybe it's a, a spectacularly gifted preacher who you have benefited from in the past, who God has used in incredible ways. And when you've heard them preach, you would say, it's just like God is speaking to my heart. They have great insight and they've seen many people come to faith. And yet, it could be discovered that that person has been incredibly ungodly. There have been high profile cases of gifted leaders and preachers and evangelists who actually, it turns out, had been abusing people. And we can be staggered by that because we can think, no, but they were so gifted. Giftedness does not equal godliness, though. And therefore, we need to be careful. Just because the Lord has used us in the past or has gifted us in particular ways doesn't mean that we're being godly necessarily. Godliness is more about the fruit of the Spirit than about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, the answer to that is not to ignore spiritual gifts, uh, nor is it to be sceptical of highly gifted people, but rather to have the right view of gifts. So, the third point, giftedness does not equal godliness. Fourth point is, every church member's gifts are for the common good. Back to 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 7. Where Paul says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. God had a purpose in giving you the gifts he's given you. They are not given simply for your own fulfilment, or that you might show off. Church is not to be a sort of Britain's got talent, a kind of Emmanuel's got gifts kind of thing where you go well let's see what gifts we've got today and now Gladys is going to come up and play the spoons and everyone applauds and go well done Gladys no it's not that is it that's not the purpose it's not so that someone can show off and get applause no God gave the gifts that we've got in our church family he distributed them as he wanted in other words he's given this group of people us the gifts that he wanted to give us for what purpose? For the common good. Now that's very significant, isn't it? He wants us to build up one another with the gifts he's given to us. And building up one another is not, that is building up one another in the faith, isn't it? That's the aim of it. It might be a very practical gift that you've been given. It might be music or it might be other things, looking after the building or other things. But the purpose of it is so that others be built up in the faith. That's why we're doing it. And so, uh, and we won't, don't have time to go into it in detail, Paul then says, no one should think they aren't needed. Everyone is needed. That's the point. He uses a body image, doesn't he? And he uh, body, body illustration, sorry. He says, you can't say, well, others don't need me. No, no, everyone is needed because God's given you a gift. And he's given you gifts he hasn't given to anyone else. Or a combination of gifts. So no one should think they aren't needed. 
and no one can say they don't need others. Okay, you can't say, I don't need those other people, that other person. They don't seem that significant within the church. I I don't need them. No, you can't say that. God's given them gifts to build up the church. We all need each other. There are no self-sufficient Christians. That's not the way God has made us as a church. So no Christian should think it's okay not to be an active member of a church. To go off on your own is to assume I don't need others and others don't need me. But we've been given gifts for the common good. Imagine sometimes um, parents, if there's there's a busker or something like that, sometimes a parent will give a little bit of money to to the child and say, go and put it in the the pot over there for that busker, maybe. I remember doing that as a child. Mum gives you 50p or something, says, go and put it in there. So you go and take it, put it in there. It's very bad, isn't it, if the kid goes... I'll just keep that. That's just for me. No, mum gave it to you to give to them. God gave you your gifts for the church family. He didn't give it to you to hoard it and just have it to yourself. He's given it to you for the common good. And that's true, actually, for church leaders as well. I think sometimes those in leadership can give the impression that we don't need others. That we could sort of quite happily go off on our own and we'll be fine on our own. It's others who need us, but we don't need others. That is not true, is it? I mean, that's unbiblical. As if my job on Sunday is to build you up, but I don't need building up myself. No, I need you to build me up. And I need to build you up. We're all to use our gifts to build up one another. Okay, four things so far. We've had the growth and health of Emmanuel Church depends on every member. Every Christian is gifted. Giftedness does not equal godliness and your gifts are for the common good. Last one. And this is the big application, I think. Your big sort of take home, except don't just take it home do it at church make your main focus building up others rather than identifying your gifts you may not have thought that was going to be the application on spiritual gifts make your main focus building up others rather than identifying your spiritual gifts we can have a fascination and it is kind of fun but there can be a fascination with saying okay I've got to work out my gifts therefore what are my gifts it's a bit like you know sometimes I don't know if you're the kind of person who likes doing questionnaires about yourself yeah, it can be the serious ones where you find out whether you're an introvert or an extrovert that kind of thing you go oh I'm intrigued what kind of person am I or there are the slightly sillier ones where you find out what character from Winnie the Pooh you're most like or if you were to enrol at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry which house would you be you know those kind of ones but it can be fun you go well what kind of person am I what what kind of and we can do that with gifts as well that we can after sort of hearing oh everyone's gifted we can go okay now I need to need to do the online quiz for what gifts have I got and sometimes that can be good. I mean, that, that can be good. And there are some gifts that you go, well, you're not going to find out if you're gifted at it unless you give it a try. Well, that's right. And so you've got to, got to give it a go. But that really isn't the big application of 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. Just 
I, I was quite struck by this as, as uh, in my preparation. Just look at um, the overall sweep of 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. Would you just have a look in your Bibles? I'm, we're not going to get into it in detail, but you can just even see it from the headings, which actually are not part of the original, but um, they've been put in there by the translators. But just look, chapter 12, concerning spiritual gifts, and the whole of chapter 12 really is about spiritual gifts. Uh, then you go chapter 13. Okay, that's, that's about love. Yeah, chapter 13 about love. Chapter 14 is about spiritual gifts. Now, just see there, you've got a sandwich, haven't you? Spiritual gifts, chapter 12. Chapter 13, love. Chapter 14, spiritual gifts. What's going on there? Is it that Paul was writing about spiritual gifts and then, oh, heard that a relative was going to get married? So thought, oh, I'll write something lovely about love. And then thought, oh, now I better get back to pre- teaching them about spiritual gifts because they really need to know about that. No, that's not what's going on. When Paul's using this sort of sandwich way of constructing his thing, that's because the thing in the middle is really important for the argument on the outside. And actually, that is what you see as you go through. Paul is trying to say to them, yes, you're spectacularly gifted. You've got loads of gifts in your, in your church. Keep using them. Don't stop using them. But I want you to apply love to the situation. That's why you're unspiritual. Because, as you find out earlier in the book, they are fighting against one another. There are divisions within the church. They're not loving each other. They may be, on, when they gather, spectacular gatherings with loads of gifts, but they're not loving each other. And so Paul's saying, therefore, you're not spiritual. You think you are, but you're not. So apply love to your use of gifts. That's what he's trying to do. That's why he says in chapter 14, aim for those gifts which are going to build up others. Really make a big deal of those. And actually, they're all to build one another up. But he says, use the ones that are going to edify one another. Really make a big deal of them. And therefore, here's the big question. How can you and I build up others today? How can we build others up in the faith? John Piper, I think, rightly says from the passage in 1 Corinthians that the application is not to spend too much time working out your gifts, whether you're gifted in prophecy or preaching or wisdom and so on, but rather have the attitude of looking to build up others in the faith. And as you look to love others in the church and build them up, you will find out what you're good at. I think that's right. Let's get on with doing it and discover our gifts as we go about doing it. One of the possible dangers of doing the courses, they're great, the courses where you go through and you find out, oh, I'm gifted at this or I'm gifted at that. Generally, you find out what you already knew at the beginning. But they can be good, but they can end up being a bit me-focused, can't they? Which sort of fits in with more the kind of culture of the world, which is to say, I've got to discover me what I'm gifted at, and I've really got to, I, for me to be fulfilled, I've got to use that gift. And it's kind of all about me. Actually, I think John Piper is right to say the emphasis of 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 is others focused. How can I build you up? How can I encourage you in the faith? What can I do to do that? Is it administration? Is it giving? Is it the whole load of different ways? How can you do it? How can you build up others? So, when you come to church, when you go to home group, when you meet up with other Christians for coffee, will you be praying, Lord, will you use me today to build up others? 
and then look for opportunities to do it. As I said at the beginning, we haven't got into all the kind of spectacular, what's this gift, what's that gift? We might well benefit from that. But actually, this is more important because this, I think, will change us as a church. If everyone is thinking, how can I build up others? The people in your row, people you're next to, people you're going to be with over coffee, do stick around for coffee if you can. How can I build them up in the faith? And then we'll be using our spiritual gifts. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gifts that you have given to us. Thank you that we as a church family uh, have been gifted in so many ways by you. Thank you that everyone in the church family has gifts. Please help us to use them for the common good, to build one another up in the faith. Amen.